What's going on, gang? Welcome, welcome to episode 13 of Internal Budget. Happy Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed your Easter weekend. Hope you got some time with the family, got some good food. And if you didn't get time with the family, I hope you at least got some good food. And if you didn't, I hope you put the pedal to the metal a bit and indulged, shall we say. That's what I did. Unfortunately, can't be home with the family these days, so had a lovely Easter dinner with my girlfriend. She made a grand old feast. Uh, I'm still full from it, to tell you the truth, but excited to get back to talking to you fine folks for the podcast. No guest this week. Jeez, like almost the first time in two months, I think, that we haven't had a guest spot. We'll get back to it uh, eventually, maybe even as early as next week, but you know how it is here at Internal Budget, folks. We just roll with it. We roll with the punches. We take it as it comes. Let's talk some sense. Feels like it's been forever since we got to talk some hockey. A little bit of breaking news on Monday. Uh, the Senators signed goaltending prospect Kevin Mandelis to a three-year entry-level deal, as well as Jonathan Aspero, a defenseman for Belleville. I covered uh, the Mandelis signing. Uh, he had a really good season with Cape Breton, Cape Breton this year in the QMJHL resurgence season. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to go unsigned this time last year, but he bounced back uh, and earned himself a pro deal. So, man, that further complicates the Belleville and Brampton goaltending situation now. Like, that's a crowded system. Gustafson and Decord in Belleville. Uh, Mandalay's likely in Brampton next year. It's going to be interesting to see which of those guys emerges as a pro-caliber goaltender, maybe even a superstar-caliber goaltender, if we're lucky. But probably the big signing, at least I think the big signing that I really wanted to talk about was Mark Kastelik. Kastelik's a guy I've talked about before. Uh, He's captain of the Calgary Hitmen in the WHL, had his overage season this year. Senators signed him to a three-year entry-level deal as well. Uh, guys, I like Castellic. Um, I know everybody's not really high on him. Uh, again, overage guy. A lot of people think he was picked just because of his size. He's a big dude. He's 6'3", 220. Um, you don't see many goal scorers playing at that size, but he scored a ton of goals for Calgary. Uh, 126 to be exact, which puts him third all time. He was the captain there for two years. He's not going to be a lead. You know, I don't think that's... I don't think anybody's suggesting that's the case. But I think Ottawa may have stumbled themselves into a player here. He's got 402 penalty minutes over his WHL career, so he's got some edge to his game. Um, I've got a scouting report here that I'll read to you. This one's from DauberProspects.com. Oh, geez, I had it here. Yep, here it is. This is from October 2019. Um, Actually, you know what? We'll read the October 2019, and then we'll read the February 2021. So October, the physical forward seems to be a late bloomer. He was drafted in his D-plus-2 year uh, after, I don't know what that means, after putting up 47 goals on a shooting percentage north of 18%. Some regression should be expected, but he's had a hot start to the season with three goals and an assist in three games. He's a captain of the Calgary Hitman and shows all of the intangibles the team could want in a player. He's consistently lauded for his work ethic and his dedication to being better. He doesn't possess the raw skills that many 47 goal scorers have, but he is a gritty player who can cash in around the net. He's 
he's a bit of a garbage man who can be a physical presence around the net front. Skating seems to have improved, but it needs some work still. He isn't an NHL lock by any means, but he could carve out a role in a team's bottom six and play on the second power play unit in a net front position. That's from Tony Ferrari. And he followed that up with another update this past February. Uh, the Calgary Hitman captain has been playing well recently. He is over a point per game in his 20-year-old season in the WHL. Ideally, he would be producing as a higher at a higher rate as one of the older players in the league, but he's continued to progress his overall game. Kastelik is unlikely to reach the 47-goal plateau that he got to last year, obviously way less likely to now, but he should still put up some solid numbers overall. He projects as an AHL forward who could eventually crack the bottom six at the NHL level. He could bring added value as a net front presence on a power play unit if he can prove his hands, improve his hands just a bit. I think that's a pretty good summary of Kastelik's game from from what I've seen of him. He's the type of guy that the Sens like. He's a big player, uh, physical guy, really strong on the, around the net front and in the corner. Look, we we know it for a fact. Um, there's been a lot of jokes made about Pierre Dorian liking his high character guys, and Castellic seems to be one of those guys. You know, leadership position captain for two years. Again, like Tony said, constantly lauded for his work ethic. The way I see Castellic kind of working out as his games begins to round into shape, I see him being kind of a Zach Smith 2.0. He's a little bit bigger than Smith, but he's got got that same style of game to him. He's a physical guy, works hard, does everything right, does the little things right down low, not afraid to throw himself into the corners and fight for pucks, and will chip in with some secondary scoring every now and then. That's a nice compliment down the middle of the guys like Josh Norris and Logan Brown, who play more kind of skill games. If you have a guy like Kastelik in that role, I really think some good things are going to happen there. If he's a fourth-line center, third-line center, that's a nice-looking center group for the Senators. Even if they don't knock a, knock their draft out of the park this year, even if they don't land a Quinton Byfield or land a Marco Rossi uh, to try to be their number one center, I'm okay with a group that looks something like Josh Norris, Logan Brown, Colin White, maybe even Chris Tierney somewhere. And then you kind of have Castellic in that bottom six, maybe move him to the wing if you have to. You could do a lot worse. So again, he's not going to be a game breaker by any means. But for the people that are totally writing this guy off, I don't see why. I really like what I've seen from him. He's got a good shot. He produces, again, like Tony Ferrari said, Maybe you'd like to see him producing a little more, but it's going to come. Um, some guys are just late late bloomers. It takes them a little longer. I think maybe a few years in Belleville, and then we get a look at Castellic in the Ottawa bottom six, and who knows what will happen. But I think he's a good fit. I like him a lot. Really happy he's signed to his pro deal. And keeping with the prospect news, Jacob Bernard Docker is returning to the University of North Dakota for next season. There was some speculation that he was going to end up in Belleville next year, maybe even Ottawa, if things really went well. I'm all right with this. Um, Obviously, I was kind of looking forward to seeing him on the pro side of things, maybe playing in Belleville. But he's a really nice player, man. Like, he's just so steady. He had a career high in points this year at UND in four less games than he played the year prior. Um, really nice World Junior Championship. He only had the one goal uh, points-wise in the tournament, but he was so solid. He was so solid defensively, especially in that gold medal game. He threw a monster hit. He was one of Canada's best players in that game, a big reason why they won. He eats up a lot of minutes on 
on both his teams, sorry, I'm talking about Canada and the UND, uh, he eats up big minutes, and he's a guy who's relied upon, and he's a guy who chips in offensively. He really fits that kind of hybrid model that you're seeing more in the NHL these days. There's a lot of skill, pure skill guys out there, um, Eric Carlson, Kale McCarr, guys like that. But you need guys that can play solid defense too. And Bernard Docker seems to me to be that kind of new wave, two-way defenseman. He's going to put up a good amount of points, but he's not going to make a ton of mistakes in the defensive zone either. Um, it's a really nice fusion of both sides of the game that you want to see. I think Lassie Thompson plays a similar style, maybe a little bit more on the defensive side. He's very strong defensively, showed that at the World Juniors. Regardless, I see why Bernard Docker wants to go back for another year rather than, rather than come up into the Ottawa system right away. I feel so bad for these kids, man, with the way that their college season ended. Obviously, it was something that was totally unforeseen and something entirely out of control and really robbed a lot of them of their last year. Some kids, are, I don't, I'm not sure if the NCAA has made any rulings on eligibility or anything like that. But as it stands now, guys are losing their eligibility. So their college sports careers are going to end because of the coronavirus. And if you play for a team like UND, who was primed to make a serious run at a championship this year, that sucks, man. Like, that really sucks. I feel really, really awful for those kids. So it makes sense to me why he wants to go back. He said something about having unfinished business. Totally get that. He's not going to suffer for it. They're going to be a really good team again next year. And it's not like playing in college another year is going to hurt him in the long run. Um, it might even do him some more good than playing in Belleville would. It's another year to get bigger, stronger, another year to mature, um, grow your confidence, and then make a run at the big squad the year after. Again, not like Ottawa is going to be worth a roster worth pushing for next season in all likelihood. And even Belleville. Belleville doesn't project to be as good this year or, or this coming year. They were obviously a powerhouse in the AHL this year, but think of all the guys they're losing. Batherson's going to be a full-time NHLer. I would expect Christian Milanen to be a full-time NHLer, perhaps even Eric Brandstrom, Rudy Balsers. Josh Norris is looking like he could be a full-time NHLer. Alex Formanton could look looks like he could end up being a full-time NHLer. These are all guys that are outgrowing the AHL or have outgrown the AHL. Logan Brown, too. You take all that talent away from Belleville team, they're not going to be nearly as good as they were this year. I mean, if that team was going to make a run at things, it was going to be this year. So in the same vein as those NCAA kids losing their eligibility, it's just a gut punch for Belleville that they don't get to play for a Calder Cup this year because they had a serious, serious chance of taking it home. I talked with Spencer Blake, Silver 7 writer who covers Belleville a few episodes ago, and he said the only team that he really saw standing in their way was Milwaukee. And even then, it was totally plausible that Belleville would, could beat them. So, man, that's tough. Anyway, next year, Belleville's going to be hurting for defensemen. I mentioned Willannon and Branstrom. They're probably going to spend most of the year in Ottawa. Belleville will likely get Lassie Thompson coming from Finland, but who knows? Maybe he'll end up in Ottawa too. Maybe he'll make the squad out of camp. So especially on the right side, 
Belleville doesn't really have a lot to speak of. Again, I've got no problem with JBD's decision. He needs to do what's best for him. If he feels that returning to university for another year is what's best for him and what's going to help his game more in the long run, I am A-OK with that. Anytime a kid's turning down a pro paycheck to go back to college and play another year, you got to think there's some serious weight behind that decision. So no problem with it whatsoever, but it leaves some variables for Belleville. And really, the team that has even more variables now is Ottawa. Because what the hell are they going to do for right-handed defensemen next year? What do they have right now? The only true right-handed defenseman that they have or had on the pro roster at the time of the sports stoppage was Nikita Zaitsev and Christian Yarosh. Both those guys are solid, I think. I know Zaitsev gets a lot of flack, but I really don't think he's the worst option available. I would rather Nikita Zaitsev than Cody Cece. I've made that abundantly clear ever since that trade happened. But now you don't have a true top-pairing right-handed guy. I think Zaitsev will play on the top pairing with Shabbat, as he did so much this year. But you don't have that true number one guy. When Mark Mathot and Eric Carlson were in Ottawa, Eric Carlson was obviously the number one defenseman playing the right side. And Mark Mathot was right beside him. Probably the second best defenseman on the team playing Carlson's left side. Now you look at Ottawa, they have a situation where Thomas Shabbat is unquestionably their number one defenseman. He plays on the left side. And he doesn't have that Mark Mathot to steady his game out on the right side. He doesn't have that right-hand man, no pun intended. Shout out to James Wood. I don't think looking at the free agent pool that's going to be available whenever the NHL offseason begins, whether they get a playoff or not, the number one guy on most people's lists Number one defenseman, anyways, Alex Petrangelo, captain of the St. Louis Blues. I don't think that's a realistic fit for the Senators. Um, as much as I would love it, he's a hell of a player, but he's going to get paid. And Ottawa don't pay people very much. Thomas Shabbat's been the outlier the last few years, the guy who got his really cashed in on his long term extension. I would expect Petrangelo to make north of $8 million, uh, probably somewhere around that $9 million range maybe even 10. But, I again, I don't see him as a fit in Ottawa. Ron Hainsey might be back. He played the right side for most of this year. Um, look, you could do worse than Hainsey. Um, he's certainly not the player that he once was. And I like having him around just based on his hockey IQ alone. I've said it before, DJ Smith said it's like having a second assistant coach out there. But one, Ottawa could use some youth. Um, not too young, I don't think, because they at some point you need guys that can actually step into the NHL roster rather than prospects and picks. And you need actual right-handers too. Um, it'd be great if you could have a balanced point, three lefties, three righties. That It usually doesn't happen that way. But another 
solid right-handed defenseman would be really beneficial for the Sens. Do you go after Tyson Berry? Ottawa seems to like X Leafs. I don't mind Tyson Berry. I think he's a good player. Um, I don't think he's been used properly in Toronto, and that's likely due in my mind to or sorry, that's what likely what caused his what's caused his stock to slip a little bit. I don't know if he's a fit though. Ugh. I mean, they have a lot of offensive defensemen right now. Ottawa has Thomas Shabbat, Eric Branstrom, and Christian Molin, and guys who are offensive minded defensemen. And while having six point men that can score is great, you need guys that are going to be able to sit back, hang back, and let the offensive guys do their thing. You need that safety valve. I keep going back to Mark Mathot. Thomas Shabbat needs his Mark Mathot. You need guys to balance out Shabbat, Brandstrom, and Willen. And one guy who's a right-hander I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on is Brandon Montour of the Buffalo Sabres. His underlying stats are decent. He's having a solid season in Buffalo. He has a 46% Corsi rating this year, but it was 54.5 last year. And a lot of that could be attributed to Buffalo being a tire fire. I'm admittedly not too familiar with the Sabres, uh, so I don't want to make any crazy assumptions there. But they had a really hard time through the second half of the season. They struggled in every area, in scoring and defense and goaltending. So take that with a grain of salt. But but I think Montour would be a guy you take a chance on. I'm not saying sign him long-term. I'm not saying give him big money. I'm saying give him a look for a year or two and see where it goes. At the very least, that holds you over until guys like Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson are ready. Whenever those guys turn pro, Lassie probably next year, Bernard Docker probably the year after, you don't want to have to just throw them into the fire because you're desperate. You're talking about a time, ideally, two years from now, where the Senators are, at the very least, pushing for a playoff spot or expected to be in that kind of contention area. And now if you're an organization that's going, oh, damn, we forgot right-handed defense. What are we going to do? Oh, well, here's Jacob Bernard Docker. We can just throw him in there. Or Lassie Thompson, just throw him to the Wolves when he may not be ready, that could present a real problem. And that's something that could set your rebuild back by years. A lot of people think that's what happened with Cody Cece. He was rushed. He didn't have enough time to season and maybe wasn't always used the proper way. That's a big fear in Ottawa right now is Throwing prospects on pro ice when they may not be ready for it. I think the perception for the organization right now and the belief that fans hold is it's better to be overly cautious than not cautious enough. So in that vein, Montour seems like the perfect guy to bring on. He's a guy who's had good seasons and not so good seasons. So give him a shot. See what he can do for a year. See what he can do for two years. If you don't like what you see in a year and a half, try to trade him. But 
take a flyer on the guy. He could be a solid reclamation project. Ottawa's had some success with guys like that. Kyle Turris, Anthony Duclair. They even got some solid usage out of Dion Phaneuf. So Monster is a guy I'd like to see them go after. Again, short term, not crazy money. Not that the sends are cash strapped, but don't want to buy yourself into a hole. Troy Stetcher, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Other guys that are upcoming FAs that could be short-term options. Again, probably looking at a one- to two-year deal, maybe three at absolute most. But I would like to see the Senators make some concessions there on salary. If you're going into that three-year range. But we'll see what happens. I wouldn't mind Montour. I think you need, the. I think bottom line, you need a guy that can fill in for a couple years rather than maybe make try to make a big splash. I would love Alex Petrangelo. Imagine a Petrangelo-Shabbat pairing. That's just unfair. But speaking on what I believe to be realistic terms, I would say that one of the best available options would be Montour. So now that we got some hockey stuff out of the way, uh, and forgive me if I ramble here because I'm going a little off the cuff, I wanted just to take some time to use the podcast to just talk to everybody about what's been going on with COVID-19 lately. Um, I'm not going to dwell on it too much because I know we may all be getting sick of it by now and it can be kind of daunting just hearing about it again and again and again all day. And I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm an idiot who yells. I'm, I'm I'm an idiot who yells about hockey. So I'm not going to give you any kind of medical advice. I just figured that I would tell you what I've been doing to kind of get through things. And uh, maybe if you're struggling, that can help you. Because I know not everyone's having an easy time with it. I'm not having an easy time with it. Uh, Being away from the family is tough. I know that firsthand, obviously. Regular FaceTime phone calls helps. I know that's pretty cliche, but it really does. Um, I try to keep in touch with my family as much as I can. My brother and I are sending each other memes on Instagram all the time. We're playing PlayStation together. Just keeping that regular contact, that's something that will keep your spirits up. Eat good. um, Eat well, I guess. Try to eat healthy. Don't fall into the trap of drinking a crazy amount or letting your diet go to waste with comfort food. I go back to that saying where it's it's like fueling a car, right? Your car can tell if you put good fuel in it or if you put crappy fuel in it. And your body's the same way. So if you eat well, you're going to be happier and you're going to feel a little better. I'm not saying stay away from sugar and stuff altogether. You got to treat yourself, man. These times are hard. I know I have. I mentioned uh, on another podcast a few days ago that uh, the soft Chips Ahoy cookies have been calling my name lately. I've been loving those to death. But make sure you're just trying to do all the little things that keep your body running in tip-top shape. And physical activity. Um, I'm a bit of a gym nut. I obviously can't go to the gym these days, but I've been doing my DDP yoga every day, which is a program you should definitely check out. It's had me feeling really good. Um, My situation is having uh, 
a bunch of old football injuries. If I sit still too often, I stiffen up and stuff really bugs me. Like my knee really bugs me. My back really bugs me. So that's really helped me to keep loose. It's given me that physical activity, got my heart rate, heart rate up, got me working on my breathing. Just do what you can. If it's going for a run, it's going for a run. If it's just doing some push-ups or some sit-ups, it's doing that. If it's going for a walk even, that's great. Just make sure you get your body moving, get those positive chemicals, those happy chemicals flowing, and hopefully that'll make you feel a bit better. And stay connected. Twitter's been great for me. Sends Twitter. You guys are awesome. I love you all to death, and I mean that sincerely. You guys have helped me a ton to kind of get through things and get through some of those feelings of loneliness and isolation and just the general negativity that we're all feeling these days. So thank you guys very much from the bottom of my heart. Um, And doing the podcast for you has helped a ton. Thank you so much for listening and giving me a reason to do it. You know, it's a lot easier to do it when you have people listening and people that are engaging with it. And again, I'm not an expert, but those are just the little things that I've been doing that kind of have gotten me through the days. And I hope if you're struggling, they help you. And if you are struggling, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, my DMs are always open and I'm more than happy to talk just about anything. It can be about hockey, can be about, you know, anything you're going through. I'm here to help. Let's get to some questions. Carter, hypothetical. The Sens get the first and second overall picks and they draft Lafreniere and Byfield. Both are guaranteed to reach Alfie slash Spezza legacy with the team, but the catch is that all Alfie and Spezza years and memories get erased and they never happened. Ooh, for me, what it comes down to is are Lafreniere and Byfield going to win a cup? Because if they are, there is like three people and a dog on this earth that I would not gladly sacrifice to win a cup. (laughs) So... If I'm losing those memories to get a cup, I'm probably doing it because you can't replace that championship feeling. You just can't. So it depends on the Stanley Cup. If not, then probably not. But if it's for the cup, then hell yes. Bernard Docker, bro. Does it make sense to move Logan Brown to left wing full time next year? Norris could make the team next year, and it's hard to see both of them being centers in Ottawa next year. I don't know that it's hard to see them both being centers in Ottawa next year. It it really depends on Tierney, I guess. But you could have a center core that looks like Norris, Brown, White, and maybe Nick Paul. So I'm okay with that. But uh, anyway, I don't like the idea of moving Brown to the wing. Just because I think his frame and his skill set is more fitted for center. Like he's a big dude. You could have you could throw him on the wing and have him bang around in the corner. But the guy's vision is just exceptional. He's so good in the offensive zone. His passing is crisp. It's accurate. He always knows where his teammates are. He's got a great nose for the net. I think Brown's a natural center and I'm hesitant to move him to the wing and kind of uproot his game even more. I really want him to just settle in at the center position, stay healthy, get some confidence and go from there. Because I think if that happens, he's really going to make some noise at the NHL level. We also saw him play a bit of the wing in the end of his stint in Ottawa. And I didn't really like what I saw. He didn't look comfortable. 
I think it's better to just keep him at center uh, and count on Norris and Brown both being in the mix. Obviously, drafting a center like a Byfield or a Rossi changes things, but I don't know that I like the idea of moving Brown to the wing. I'd rather see what he can do at center. How many forwards in this draft would you rank higher than the first defenseman? I'm super high on Drysdale. Yeah, I think it's the consensus that Drysdale is the best defenseman in the draft. If we're talking forwards better than him, Lafreniere, well, I don't want to say better than, ranked higher than. Lafreniere, obviously, Byfield, Stutzel. And if I'm Ottawa, I'd probably take Marco Rossi just because Ottawa's in desperate need of an elite center. So those are the guys I would take over Drysdale. Uh, but I love Drysdale, and if Ottawa ends up picking him, I'm definitely not going to be upset about that. Which prospects from Belleville do you think are locks to graduate to Ottawa next year with vets like Duclair, Tierney, Brown, and Isimov still likely in the fold? Yeah, I, I keep forgetting about Anisimov too. Ooh, yeah, that's another guy that creates a log jam at center. Oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen there. But in terms of prospects that graduate, I think Batherson has already graduated. I think Willannon has already graduated. Uh, Brandstrom, I've said it before, I see him at least playing a decent amount of time in Ottawa next year. Norris, I mean, he's close. If he's not there already, then he's damn close. Formanton didn't end up getting a look in Ottawa this year, but I think he could definitely make the opening night roster on the wing. Brown, we'll have to see what happens, but I would say the guys that are, I, I would say the only two like major locks are Drake Batherson and Rudy Balsers. They might want to wait another year or two with other guys, but those are the two that I really see as NHL locks. And Will Landon, but I don't even really consider him a prospect anymore. Who wins more games this year? The Bears or the Bucks? Uh, ooh. I got to tell you, man, I don't like your quarterback position. I do not like that situation for you guys at all. I got to go Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm biased, of course, but you throw Tom Brady into that offense with those receivers. You bring that entire front seven back, the bands back together. Address the offensive line in the draft. It sounds like Tampa's going to be looking to trade up and get an offensive lineman. I think it's going to be Tampa. I think Tampa wins at least 10 games next year. Who are some of your picks on the best name bracket? That one's from Colin. Uh, if you didn't see it, Colin ran uh, a best NHL name in the 2020 draft <laughs> bracket. Um Man, there were some really good ones in here. Gunner Wolf Fontaine was the winner. Primo Self was the runner-up. It's hard to argue with either of those. I like Zion Nyback for some reason. That one sounds like space agey. There's uh, some of them I can't even pronounce. Jeremy Biaka Butuka. I probably butchered that. Hugo Stiff. I have an Ivan... Roman Faith, Billy Constantino. Man, there's some great names there, but I can't really argue with the top two, Gunner Wolf, Fontaine, and Primo Self. And folks, shorter than our episodes have been lately, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode episode of Internal Budget. As always, you can find my writing at silver7sends.com. We've got some really cool content for you guys in spite of the hockey stoppage, so make sure you check it out. You can find me on Twitter at BrandonMackey6 and the podcast at Internal Budget. Again, I really appreciate you listening to me. I know 
Time may even be more precious now that we have so much of it. You guys are all looking for something to fill your days with. So if you even spend a little bit of time listening to the podcast, if that gets you through even a little bit of the day, I'm supremely grateful and I'm incredibly glad to hear it. Make sure you like the podcast. Make sure you share the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That's a big one. Subscribers are huge. So subscribe to the podcast for me and share with your friends. Um, the more people listening, the more cool stuff I can do with it. So as always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I hope you're all staying healthy. I hope you're all staying safe and I hope you're all staying home. Stay home. It looks like we're maybe coming towards brighter days in this thing. So don't let up, keep your foot on the gas, stay home and we'll have another episode for you next week. Take care folks.